Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. Well, I struggle with if it's actually day number two or day number three from here at the NFL Scouting Combine because it got kicked off on Monday for us in the Buffalo local media. We had a bit of a little exception to have Sean McDermott early because he had meetings all week. They were literally vacuuming the floor here while we were talking with him at the podium. And then yesterday was the official start of the NFL Combine. So it's kind of like day 2.5 here on the floor of the Indianapolis Convention Center. Welcome in. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. Sal Capaccio here and Zach Jones once again back in our Amherst studio. So Zach, day number, like I said, two and a half, and things start to shift now here. So let me just kind of set up the scenario and the scene for everybody. For the last couple of days, it's been coaches and GMs speaking. Today, defensive linemen and linebackers, the players start getting to going today. So now we're seeing a lot more of a groundswell of media kind of converge here because you're not just, you don't just get the beat reporters now. You get all the draft people now getting in on the floor. I mean, this, this is actually why we all showed up. It's not the media gets to all hang out with the coaches and GMs. Now we get to hear <laughs> from the kids. But I, like now we're, we're seeing guys like Chop Robinson, Tavondre Sweat, they're all going to be speaking. Yep. I, think, I think our Wayans today as well. 
Yeah, I think, see, they'll go by position, and basically defensive line and linebacker are today to be doing their speaking and their weigh-ins, and then they'll do on-field stuff tomorrow. So what happens is while the positions show up, one day it's speaking and weigh-ins, the next day it's on-field stuff. It's kind of like a, a prize fight, right? You get together mm-hmm. for the weigh-in and you, you do all the media stuff, and then you wind up fighting a little while later. So that's what's happening. You're right, Sweat. Let me look at the board here, actually. Sweat, I think, is about to go here. Yep, he is going to be at podium number one. I'm sorry, group one. Let's see. Just reading this in real time. Podium four. Supposed to start at 10 o'clock, but that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So he literally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see Sweat. He's going to be probably about 30 feet from where I'm standing right now, to be quite honest with you. So that's what it's like around here. As I said yesterday, you're just kind of walking around, talking to people, and that's what we're going to do again today. Um, scheduled to talk with Brandon Kristall from Denver, covers the Broncos. He's supposed to make his way over here to chat with us a little bit later in this hour. Teron Davenport, Titans, ESPN Nation, uh, covering them. I just spoke with him. He's going to try to make his way here after he hears a couple of these defensive linemen speak. And then we've also already caught up with Vinny Bonsignor for Raider Nation Radio. So we got a jam-packed Extra Point show for you today. Zach, what I want to start with those to rewind to yesterday because we learned some things from Brandon Bean or maybe we just kind of had confirmation of things. And there were, of course, a lot of things he didn't really elaborate too much on. But one player that I'm really thinking a lot about today is Tredavious White. Now, I asked him about the rehab of Matt Milano and Tredavious White. He said they're both rehabbing you know, really hard. They're attacking it. They've both primarily been in Buffalo. I think um, you know, Matt's gone down to Florida a couple times as well. But they've been in Buffalo rehabbing hard. I also followed up with, like, how do you balance Tredavious White's cap number, his two injuries, his age, and knowing the kind of person he is and wanting him on the team? And I feel today, like I have over the last few weeks, which is, I think Tredavious White's on the Bills next year. I don't know if it's at a $16 million cap hit. I don't know how they do that. I do not agree with some of the sentiment that they're going to move on from him. I don't think the Bills want to do that with Tredavious White. I don't think so either, especially like you brought it up there too. Like the kind of person he is around the community with the team. He's been one of their leaders really from the word go. He's, he's Sean McDermott's first draft pick. They traded and backed and, and they got him, and that's kind of the whole Patrick Mahomes trade situation. But – I wonder, because Brandon Bean, when he first started talking, he said he was like actively smiling when he heard that the cap was now $255 mm-hmm. million. They were doing, what, I think Tessa, like 240-ish areas. So they were prepared for much lower. I wonder if a part of him smiling was realizing they n- did not have to go down that road or they did not have to have deep conversations about, do we move on from Trey? Instead, now it could be more of a, let's just rework his contract. We, we, he can be on the bills. He can still be here rather than... The much you know sadder and and maybe more kind of just cold blooded approach of the business, which is he just may not have to be here anymore. Yeah, and 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 I agree with that, which is the part about maybe being able to do some things they didn't think they'd be able to do with the money that they kind of found. By the way, how how crazy is that? I mean, I don't know how much money you've ever found in your pocket, but Brandon Bean just found $10 million yesterday in his pocket. I mean, or this week or a couple weeks ago, I should say, because you're right, he did say. They were budgeting in the 240s. So you think about that, that's a good $10 million they didn't really expect to have. Now, I don't know if that impacts Tredavious White specifically, but I do think it impacts the roster how they may say, okay, maybe we have a few extra for A.J. Epinesa or Daquan Jones or Gabe Davis. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that necessarily. They just want to kind of move on from one or more of those guys, but 
Maybe that's what happens. Maybe it's less restructuring. That's where Tredavious comes into play. Because on him, when I say the kind of person he is, yes, everything he means to this organization, the community for sure. But one thing that he talked about yesterday was when you are a guy like Tredavious White and they know the character and DNA, he's going to rehab harder. He's going to hit it harder. He's passionate. He wants to get back. You know in your own life, Zach, you probably have people you could point out and say, well, this person's going to try a little harder than the other person, and I would trust that person to get back a little quicker. That's the way the Bills feel about Tredavious White. Now, I don't know if Tredavious White's ever going to get back to being an all-pro, much less a, a starter, whatever level. I don't know. But I don't know if the Bills do either, but I think they're at least optimistic that he can still be a starting cornerback in this league, if not more. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I I think that's the thing, though, is partially as a fan, too, you're, you're waiting with bated breath because it did feel like right before the Achilles injury, he was just getting back to like what we had seen, and it was like, all right, here we go. We've got Trey White back, and there was and it, that, that game, the Miami game, was so important because they come off that 70-point performance. You're, ta- you're taking them on. There was such a big high and equally such a big low when he went down. I, Trey has been one of my favorite Bills of my lifetime. I would hate to see him go. I hope he's able to rehab more. But And, and Bulldog talks a lot about this in the afternoon, too. Him being so candid about his recovery process from the torn ACL has always kind mm-hmm. of left a spot in me of like, you forget just how difficult of an injury it is to come back from. And it, and it I don't want to say it scares me a little bit, but it always makes me wonder what's going through his mind for his career long term. Like, I, I do wonder if he's had conversations with the Bills about, I don't want to say retiring, but, you know, something along those lines where he even kind of knows, yeah, may not be, you know, that guy anymore. I, it's it, the Trey White situation is so fascinating because I think that they're good at cornerback, but a lot of it does hinge on like where Trey White is. Rasul Douglas will not be a free agent this year, but he only has one year left in his deal. He's actually older than Tre'Davious White, maybe a good year and a half older, I think, if I remember correctly. But either way, he's been pretty healthy. Obviously, he's not going through the same situation, but you have to kind of look at him and say, for what he did for this team, would they want to maybe even extend him? He's got one year left on his deal. If you extend him out, you can lower that cap number. I think the corner position is very interesting. NDBs, I want to talk about safeties today as well. But the corner position is interesting because you have Tredavious White situation up in the air. You have Rasul Douglas, who I think you're rock solid on. You just maybe if you want to move some money in some capacity. And then you have Christian Benford, who I think had a heck of a year for the Buffalo Bills last year in his second season. And the other question mark, though, where all of this is going to flow from is Kyrie Elam. What do you get from Kyrie Elam? And I think Tredavious' answer and Kyrie's answer which is the question of what you're going to get from them, what can they be for different circumstances, will impact how you feel about the rest of the position, including Christian Benford, including Rasul Douglas, and including the safety position. That's what makes this offseason so interesting for that position, DB overall, because there are a couple of different guys where no matter what the answer is on them, Zach, it's going to impact how you treat the rest of the roster. Oh, absolutely. And... We always bring it up to, or at least we see it on Twitter, just like some people bring up the idea that maybe Christian Benford be, uh, can be converted into a safety. Mm-hmm. I know when he was first picked out of Villanova, that was a big question mark of could that happen. I, I want to see the Bills resign Russell Douglas. He was a real big linchpin for that defense. Kind of an under-the-radar trade uh, on the deadline. And looking back on it, the Packers wouldn't have made that trade. I remember that was like my big takeaway that day is Packer Packer fans being so mad that like one of their yeah. key pieces on their defense was going. And at the time, it seemed like the Packers were doing so because they thought, 
we're not going to make the playoffs this year. Let's just go into a soft rebuild here. Like, let's just get ready for next year and let Love kind of, you know, mature a little bit more. And then he exploded and, and he becomes the quarterback we all saw in the playoffs. And so now, like, looking back on it, the Packers probably don't make that move. I think the Bills did get a little bit of a steal there just because I don't think he would have been on the market at all if the Packers had any sort of foresight. Right now joining me is ESPN Nation reporter for the Tennessee Titans, Teron Davenport. My man, what's up? How are you? Hey, everything's good, man. This is football heaven. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We had a chance to catch up the other night because you were actually here for Sean McDermott's yeah. press conference. I thought that was interesting. Fans might want to know, why would a Tennessee guy want to talk to Sean McDermott? Why would you want to talk to the Buffalo Bills coach when you don't really have to be here? Yeah, well, I'm doing a story on the quarterback position and how teams interviewed guys and got it right. And I really like what he said about the body language and how he saw that in, in Josh Allen, and it was something that stood out. So I'm asking different ones. And Sean McDermott, his his uh, high school, North Penn High School, my younger brother went there. I, I got PHI, so yeah. Well, you don't have to you – don't, you're not going to have a team drafting a quarterback in the Titans. They're pretty set with Will Levis, right? Yeah, Will Levis is pretty much the guy they moved up to get him, and you look at what they gave up. It's it's pretty substantial, you know, to move up into the the about thirty third pick, the second pick in in the uh, second round. So. What did you learn from people you've talked to about the process of picking a franchise quarterback? Uh, there's a lot about the personality and the just the approach, the the willingness to take on that role of being the franchise the face of the franchise the way that you have to understand how you impact everyone on the team like your actions your body language again and just the way you carry yourself it, it's the team kind of rides with you up and down and that's the main thing that that I learned from from these guys and they also learned that some of them actually use personality tests you know to see how that guy will match their core values of their franchise Pretty interesting stuff. All right. A lot of changes coming for the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, Mike Vrabel is out. Brian Callahan is in. Obviously, the quarterback, they figure they're pretty set on, but the roster's going to change. Derek Henry, that as well. What's this transition been like, and how different will it be going from Mike Vrabel to another regime? Yeah, it's been interesting because you have just this mindset. Like, you know, you think of Mike Vrabel, you think of the bully, you think of Derrick Henry, you think of that physical style of an off offense. They're going to get a little bit away from that and go more to a passing style. Brian Callahan and this staff, you know, they're more about modernizing the offensive approach. So it's going to be interesting seeing how that works. That means, you know, a lot of these receivers that you're going to be Talking to the next couple of days are, are going to have to be on their target because the Titans have a big lack of, of receivers. And you look on the flip side of it, as far as defensively, the DBs, I mean, there's a lack of DBs there. Uh, they have to get basically just faster as a team and get more impact players. They have, you could count on one hand, you know, game changers uh, that they have. And then obviously Derrick Henry's situation himself. He's been such a great Titan for so long. Is he just definitely not going to be in a Titans uniform next year? I hate to say definitely. And you, you look at what Rand Carthon said. You know, he said that you know, they had a really good conversation leaving, and they're in a position where when it's time to talk to Derek and his people, they're going to do that. Derek Henry, after the Jaguars game, which was his best game of the year, by the way, you know, at 30 years old, above 53 against the Jaguars, second in the league in rushing. He feels he has a lot left. But he says specifically that his goal is to win a Super Bowl. Ideally, it would be to bring one to, to the Titans. 
I don't know if that's happening in the next couple of years, but he said, you know, wherever he has to go and whatever he has to do to do that, that's what may, uh, that's where he's going to go. So, yeah, the, the Ravens become a team that makes sense. We, we have seen teams with a lot of cap space approach it different ways where you can just be aggressive and say, we're going to compete now. Yeah. We have a division. Maybe we can, you know, do some things. We like our quarterback. And we've also seen teams said, let's take the slower approach. A couple of years. What are the Titans going to do with all this cap space and where they are? Yeah, it's from what I've been told, it's going to be very calculated. It's not going to be reckless spending. They have positional values at, at, at different different spots. But the thing is, when you're the Titans and, you know, you, know, you look at Buffalo, like that's an attractive destination for free agents. You know, hey, I want to go play on a team that I know is going to score points because of Josh Allen. You know what I mean? It's not the same for the Titans, so they do have to overpay to an extent. They understand that, but it's like I said, it's not going to be reckless. There's a lot of roster holes that they have to fill, but I think they're going to do it with the approach of, hey, you know what? We want to win a Super Bowl next year. We, meaning like I'm not saying we as part of them because I'm not. I got you. But like they, they want to win a Super Bowl, and they're going to approach it that way, but I think they're going to approach it with the, hey, we know it's a building process. So. And then finally, the AFC South, some young quarterbacks now. Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, what he did. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence, who I think actually had a pretty good year last year. Maybe hasn't reached the ceiling they want, but what's it going to be like competing in that division for the next several years? Yeah, I mean, it's you got a bunch of young quarterbacks, and they're hoping that Will Levis is a guy that could be on that same level. And it's really going to be about making sure that your pass defense is, is top-notch. And I think in getting Denard Wilson, a, a guy who you know was part of the Ravens uh, secondary last year that was really good two years ago with the Eagles. They were top pass defense. Having him in, in, in the D.C. role is going to help them. Hey, man, always great catching up. Thank you so much. For sure. Great catching up with you, man. And Tehran is one of these uh, guys. A lot of bald guys out here. We, 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 we share a same barber out here in, the, in Indianapolis. Thanks a lot, my man. You got it. That is Tehran Davenport, ESPN Nation, Tennessee Titans reporter. Yeah, how about that division, right, with all those young quarterbacks? And now they got Will Levis there, who they're pretty set on. And they should be, obviously, Zach. He did some nice things last year. They don't, they're not looking for a quarterback this year. Will Levis is such a vibe. Like I, I, like he just kind of throws himself at just the mercy of NFL defenses. But like I can understand why fans would really kind of rally around him. He came in his first game. I think he had four touchdown passes and just kind of lit it up, throwing the ball deep. I kind of like Levis. I I didn't love him coming out of Kentucky. Just I, I thought there was a little bit too many warts for for me to kind of gravitate towards him. But I can totally understand why Titans fans are liking him, and and personally, Sal, I really like that the Titans are kind of leaning into a full rebuild. I like Mike Rabel, but I do I do respect a team that is willing to just hit the reset button completely rather than kind of doing a Pittsburgh Steelers and just trying to hang right. on desperately to a 500 record. Yeah, I mean, same thing. We just had Jeremy had <clears throat> Matthew Collar on yesterday. I saw Matthew out last night, and we were talking about this very same thing with the Minnesota Vikings. His point is... They're just always going to try to win, even if they don't have a roster that's conducive to winning, which puts you to position to not really get bad enough for a quarterback. We've lived that life. Now, look, I, I, I'm not Mr. Tank guy, right? I mean, I'm not, let's go to the bottom all the time, but I absolutely understand and think there's a point to you do have to at some point be able to pick high enough to get one of these quarterbacks. And if not, then you have to trade to be able to get up there. But if you're always trying to spin your wheels and win, and I love that, I love that philosophy. But you also have to know who you are, right? You have to know who you are. You know, in the Titans' case, let's go back to them for a second. The division isn't super daunting. I know what they have in C.J. Stroud in Houston and what Jacksonville, Jacksonville was supposed to be. And Anthony Richardson there, but 
this is not the strongest division in the NFL. If the Titans want to go out and be super aggressive, they could compete in that division. I just think what he said is probably right. It's probably better. They, I think $90 million, by the way, Zach. Mm-hmm. $90 million mm-hmm. to spend to be calculated and kind of take the slower approach is probably the more prudent way for that organization to go. Oh, 100%. And I, I do kind of like what the AFC South is looking at. I, I like to make jokes at their expense, but they all mm-hmm. seem to be, they have their young quarterbacks in place or seemingly in place. You have teams like the Titans, even Houston have a ton of cap space that they can kind of work with. I think Indy does as well. And it just, it, it kind of seems like all the teams are somewhat moving in like the same direction, relatively the same time. Jacksonville did take a step back, but I also think, I, I, I agree with you, Sal. Trevor Lawrence, looking back at his season, that poor guy suffered a lot of drops from his wide receivers. Good mm-hmm. passes just didn't end up getting caught. And so, yeah, like the AFC South is, is sort of moving in a fun direction. And so now it is like, all right, be smart, be patient. Don't kind of you know, press the accelerator down too early because that's when you couldn't get, you, you can get yourself into trouble. You, you get yourself, you know, cap strung way too soon, way too early. You're not a great team yet. And yeah, even like a team like Houston, we heard it yesterday with John Harris. They've got to not play at first. You know, play schedule so they could take a step back. Yeah, yeah that's right. Hey, I, I know you and I both love C.J. Stroud. W- what do you think about Anthony Richardson? I just I want to see him healthy, Sal. I really do because I think there's so much there for him. I think Shane Steichen as an offensive mind is a wizard, mm-hmm. but he's got to stay healthy because in the moments when he's on the field, you were like, I see something. There's something there. He he did he did make some wild plays. Right, he reminded me a little bit of Josh rookie year mm-hmm. a couple times mm-hmm. before he got hurt. And I know it wasn't a huge sample size, but even in preseason. But I, I agree with that. But if he does stay healthy, I mean, he still has to grow a little bit as far as a you know a, a passer. But boy, he's got. All the athletic traits you look for off the charts. Absolutely. Do want to have some breaking news here uh, regarding okay. the AFC West, and it's the Chiefs. Two things. They have released Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That's going to clear up about $12 million in cap space. And then Jordan Schultz here just a few minutes ago from Bleach Report is saying that the Chiefs are placing the franchise tag on LeJarius Sneed. This was somewhat reported yesterday that they may look yep. for a trade now, but it does appear that the Chiefs will be placing the franchise tag on Sneed. Okay, so Legereus Sneed is a really heck of a player, but as it was reported by, I think, Jeremy Fowler yesterday, they will possibly look to see if a team is, you know, interested in trading. Mm -hmm. You do a a tag and trade type of deal there, and then Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, that's a team that we talk about their receivers, lack of receivers, inconsistent receivers. They are going to be, to me, in the wide receiver market, much like the Buffalo Bills are through this free agency and draft process this year. I wonder if they're in a spot. We, we talk a lot about what, about it with the Bills about being so desperate for wide receiver talent. Really, after Diggs, it's it's a huge question mark now. I I wonder if the Chiefs feel more desperate, or Chiefs fans even feel more desperate because they've actually gone to the draft well. They've tried to get you know high end draft capital into wide receivers, and it's worked somewhat well with Rasheed Rice. We'll see what he is, you know, long term. Really bottomed out with Sky Moore and Travis Kelsey for much of this year, looked like a guy that had one foot in retirement really until the playoffs. And now their defense is coming due to be paid. Chris Jones, that was almost a question mark coming into this year. Ultimately, they get a somewhat deal done to kind of have him play this year. But now that's up mm-hmm. in the air. Sneed, it, it seems more like we're heading towards a trade more than anything else of him being on that team next year. Sure, they have Trent McDuffie. But to me, it almost wonders if the Chiefs are, are going to kind of almost have to do a 180 again where they lean towards offense. And if, if a guy like Adonai Mitchell is is there at 32 or even a Troy Franklin, a Brian Thomas Jr., 
I really could see the Chiefs just being like, nope, we, we've got to go wide receiver. We've got to keep going to that well because this year, Sal, we talked about it a lot. Mahomes was not bad by any means. Obviously, we saw in the playoffs so many drops, so many bad mental mistakes by wide receivers. I mean, Kadarius Tony kind of became the main character there. But they're a team. I'm, I'm, I am stunned they won the Super Bowl sale. When you look about them the whole, off, the whole regular season, <laughs> it seemed like they could just not get it done. They ended up doing it. But eventually, luck kind of runs out. Teams will start playing you, I don't want to say correctly, but they will stop playing with, it, with you with fear because they're going to want to give you your best shot because you keep winning. And I do wonder if that might be coming due soon and, and they need to go to that wide receiver well again. It, it's interesting talking about tags and trades. Did you, did you hear what the Bengals said about T. Higgins? I don't know if you, the difference in the way they talk from last year to this year, which is apparently last year, I believe, and I read this for, I think Joe Goodberry or someone else had written, last year when it came to T. Higgins going to last year of his deal, and there was talk about trading, and I think someone in the organization said, go find yourself your own wide receiver. Like, go find your own wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not touching T. Higgins, right? This year, the tone is a little bit different, where it seems like, and I don't remember the exact wording, but they basically left the door open to tag and trade T. Higgins. And I wouldn't be surprised. I do not see the Bengals paying Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. I don't either. And and maybe that's me having the bias of the ownership kind of like you know they yes, don't pay too. anybody. That that's that that wait, that's the way it's been over years and they mm-hmm. finally did pay Burrow, but we don't know yet until they pay the other guys. I also wonder with the Burrow thing, they may have realized, be like, we may have a really bad situation on our hands if we don't pay the quarterback. Like we'll make more money yes. if he's here. But I, I think it's partially that for me. And then also I wonder just, you know, because the NFL and really professional sports is such a year-by-year basis, he had a down year, dealt with injuries. You know, down year was partially due to the fact that he had a backup quarterback for much of the year. Injuries you can't really avoid. And I wonder now if they're just sitting there going, we'll, 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 we'll draft somebody else. You know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. And, and I, somewhat to the extent of the wide receiver renaissance that I talk about in college coming to the NFL, I can understand that. But if you have the chance to keep a T. Higgins and keep a Jamar Chase with your already elite quarterback in Joe Burrow, I have a tough time not doing that, Sal. I, I really, really do. I know it's you're putting a lot of cap space into like three guys, mm-hmm. but it would be a really tough sell for me to not want to do that. I mean, if they could, to me, if you could find a team to give you a first round pick for T. Higgins, don't you do that? I, that that would be that would be what, what you get a rookie you. contract. Yeah. First round pick. I don't know. I just feel like you're going to have to pay him a lot. Franchise tag is a lot of money already. Mm-hmm. Probably going to have to pay him something, you know, north of that when it comes time for an extension. Um, it's going to be an interesting situation for them, the Cincinnati Bengals, and of course Joe Burrow recovering from his wrist injury as well. All right, we'll take a timeout from here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Scheduled to hear from Brandon Cristal. He should be joining me here when he gets into the convention center room. We are here uh, on the podium floor. And then also, Vinny Bonsignor of Raider Nation Radio. Already caught up with him, so we're going to play that for you as well here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones, coming at you live from Indianapolis. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Zach Jones here. I do want to let you know that you can join the Amherst Gaelic League for their 50th annual Irish Person of the Year party, celebrating the voice of the Bills, John Murphy, Friday, March 8th from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Stolat Bar. Entertainment includes music by the Restless Souls, Irish Dancers, the Gordon Highlanders, and more. Ticket and details under events at amherstirish.com. Hey, back here in Indianapolis, live from the NFL Scouting Combine. One of my favorite people to talk to year-round because we could talk football, we could talk hockey, we can talk anything with my man, college basketball, Brandon Kristall, KOA in Denver. Good to see you, buddy. Great to see you, yeah. I was tracking that avalanche game last night. They needed a bounce-back win, go, uh, you know, just to get off the schneid, two losses, including a home loss, which they have very few of, and they kind of kicked the crap out of the Stars 5-1, so it was cool to see that. Hey, listen, man, um, this combine thing is getting pretty big. How, how many years you been here? I was trying to do the math on it. The first one I came to was 12 years ago, whenever Andrew Luck, uh, so it was 2012 draft, right? Andrew Luck, RG3, and everything was over in the Dome. And then you talk to guys like Peter King or Jeff Legwald. We covered all of these, even though Peter's not here this year. And it used to just be wandering around the hotels, and nobody had press conferences. So to see where it was even a decade ago where 12 years ago, we didn't know who was coming when. We'd get like a heads up, hey, Andrew Luck's coming in the next half hour. And you would just kind of get up from the working area and go to the podium, and there'd be Andrew Luck. RG3 went at the exact same time as Dave Caldwell, the head coach of the, I want to say it was Dave Caldwell, one of the, one of the, not Dave Caldwell, one of those coaches from the uh, Jags. And it was like two people looking at the head coach of the Jags and a hundred people uh, checking out RG3. So it's, it continues to get bigger. It's made for TV, it's good for media. Plenty of people tell you they don't want to be here. Some head coaches have stopped coming. The Rams don't have hardly anyone here. It's uh, it's interesting to see the way teams approach it. But, like, you know, I talked with uh, some folks at the Broncos, and Sean Payton just wants to get in front of a guy. You know, he, in fact, he actually even said, kind of in passing, he doesn't want to see Tutu Atwell walk in after the draft and realize he's only 5'9", 180 pounds. Right. 
and then Sean Payton, obviously, he's here speaking as well. What What is the storyline? What are you guys hoping to learn as far as the Broncos are, are concerned and Sean Payton? Well, I think we've learned it. It's just a... It feels like a formality and what do the mechanics look like. But Russell Wilson is going to be released within the next couple of weeks. George Payton, the GM yesterday, was on the podium right after Sean and said, we haven't received any calls about Russ. And, and while sometimes you don't always believe a GM or a coach or somebody in personnel when they say something, that's not the case this time. I believe that none of the teams are offering any compensation. They'll wait for Russell Wilson to hit the market. I don't know how robust it'll be, but we might see more teams than you think interested in paying Russ a million, too, to come in. And you look at a team like Pittsburgh, maybe Atlanta, where his wife's from. If Atlanta doesn't love these quarterbacks but likes a lot of their roster, Zach Robinson, he's actually a kid from Denver, but you know he's been with the Rams. Offense, he's going to run. Arthur Smith in Pittsburgh with those fast receivers, the running backs, certainly Mike Tomlin in a culture of winning there, defense that's ready-made. Those make sense to me. And then I was talking with somebody yesterday, too. The Broncos are going to owe him $39 million or whatever, minus if it's minus a million, okay, $38 million. If you put a contract in front of Russell Wilson and say, hey, we're going to sign you to the league minimum, but here's a half million if you lead the league in passing. We're half million in touchdowns, half million Pro Bowl, half million All-Pro. You can put all these incentives or a million, whatever, win the division, win a playoff game, go to the Super Bowl. That comes out of the, the team that's signing him. That comes out of their pot. It doesn't offset what the Broncos owe him because it's performance-based. So that's probably a more attractive contract that you could put out there, even if you did it for two years, right, and say, hey, for two years we're going to give you this with all of these while the Broncos are still paying you. Talking with Brandon Kristall, KOA Radio in Denver. All right, the two names that Bills fans could possibly still be interested in, but you tell me if it's just the ship has sailed or if maybe teams should be interested. Cortland Sutton, Sutton, Jerry Judy, what's their situations? I know they really like Cortland Sutton, and Cortland wants to be in Denver, and that was expressed, I think, by Cortland publicly, privately. Jerry Judy straight up told us at his locker right before the trade deadline where it's been multiple years of his name in a in a trade rumor and several, you know, the ideas of trades, I guess. He goes, I don't care where I am. He goes, if I'm here, great. If I'm not, fine. <laughs> and it's not that he doesn't like Denver or like his teammates. Jerry's an interesting kid. I think he's pretty smart. People don't necessarily see that with how he maybe communicates. But talking to football people, they say he picks everything up really quickly. His frustration is that whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether it's Drew Locke, whether it's Russell Wilson or Jarrett Stidham, there's plenty of film out there of him running open, getting open and not getting the ball. And there's also times where the ball hits him in the hands and he doesn't drag his toe in the back of the end zone or he doesn't make a contested catch down the sideline on what would have been a huge game earlier this year. But it feels like if they can get anything reasonable, like you're not trading Jerry Judy for a fifth unless you get to draft day and you're like, we just want some more ammo. But if it's a third and a fifth, which was, I think, lower than what I, th- I think the Packers offered, maybe a third, maybe they offered a second and a fourth. I can't swear, and maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was a third and a fifth, but you can get something close to that or even a fourth and something. You're probably moving on. With Sutton, they're probably looking to restructure. And then also in that receiver room, Tim Patrick, who they love, who's now been hurt two years in a row and has made $20 million to not play. He tears his knee a year ago, and then almost a year to the day, tears his Achilles in training camp. He's the guy that they say is really the Pied Piper in there. For as loud as Cortland is as a captain and all that uh, that you see in front of the camera, that they really follow Tim's toughness and, and his grit and the way he approaches things. They're not paying him $10 million to play this year, so it's do they restructure, do they just straight up cut him and bring him back. But the wide receiver room will look different, and they want to get Marvin Mims more involved, which is why I think they're encouraged or in, uh, enthusiastic about trying to move Judy so that they can play Mims more. The Bills signed K.J. Hamler to a reserve futures contract. What happened with him in Denver after being such a high pick? 
his knee kept failing him and his hip and he when he hurt his leg two years ago it was more than just his knee it was his knee and his hip and it was multiple knee injuries if Bills fans liked Isaiah McKenzie, the flashes you saw, KJ Hamler's 2.0 that. KJ is really fast, really smart. His teammates love him. You'll love talking to him in the media. In the media. You know, last year when he came off the injury and he was talking to us last spring, he gave as revealing a press conference as you'll ever see where he lost his grandma, who was essentially his rock. He didn't say it was his mom because he's like, she was, you know, she was it for him. As he's going through that rehab by himself, he said he was in a really dark place and said he contemplated suicide and for an athlete to stand on a podium and for people that he knows in passing but you don't pretend like any of us were his great friends for him to to be that open and honest I think says a lot about who he is and he talked about talking to people and getting the help that he needed and all of that and I think he's the type of guy that's great in a locker room you know he's then hurt again working out in the offseason and, and the Broncos release him with the intent of when he's healthy, bringing him back. And he, I think he just wanted a fresh start. But if he can get on the field, there's a dynamic playmaker there just waiting to get out, waiting to have that opportunity. And with what the, the Bills have around him, especially if the receiving core at the top doesn't change much, I think he'll slide in real nicely. Right, circle it back to the combine here. What are you looking at? What are the Broncos looking at in the draft? Well, every year to make the combine fun, you want to have quarterbacks worth talking about. And I think last year we did to some degree, certainly some interest with Stroud and Richardson. What would Bryce Young be? This year it feels like that's heightened even more because of Caleb Williams. And then the debate about Drake May and Jaden Daniels, that's going to be louder than the Caleb Williams debate. But you talk to some people, and I heard this going back early in the season, that they maybe liked May more than Williams or they didn't like Williams as much as other people do. You hear that the Broncos like J.J. McCarthy, and maybe part of it is they're talking themselves into that, or the idea that, He's got a lot of upside. He's only 21, and also the notion if he did end up in Denver, and they're currently picking 12, they probably have to slide up a little bit just to secure him. The you know the idea that Sean Payton doesn't like rookie QBs. Well, when you have Drew Brees for 15, 16 years, where are you going to sneak a rookie into play? So I, I think if they were to draft a JJ McCarthy, I don't think he would be the the day one starter guaranteed. Where it's like let's go, but the intent is obviously to get him going as quickly as possible. So because the Broncos are certainly in the quarterback market, and if they were to sign Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, even Gardner Minshew to go with Jarrett Stidham, that doesn't excite anyone in Broncos country. It's just about getting that young quarterback and, and not forcing it. And if it's Bo Nix, is that, uh, do you trust that that's the guy? Maybe. You know, I've had scouts tell me he's good until things break down, and it's like, well, everybody's good until things break down. If I have a clean pocket and plenty of time, I can probably complete a couple passes too. It's The NFL is about when it breaks down, how do you handle it? And obviously you guys have a great one there in Buffalo that I was told by some people really close to it that John John Elway really wanted to pull the trigger on Josh Allen and just didn't, even though he re, he really, really liked him. They scouted the heck out of him, whereas, you know, uh, even though John wasn't at his pro day, he was at a game, he was at the bowl game, he went and watched him practice during the season that people don't realize. And then they didn't pull the trigger, and obviously Bills fans are, are all the better for it. And Josh is in a great situation. Who knows if they would have had the patience to develop him the way Brian Dayball and, and Sean and the Bills obviously did. But I think it's, you know, it's a long way to, to get back to. For me and with the Broncos, it's more fun when a draft has quarterbacks to talk about and the fact that they're in that conversation. Where next year after Shadur Sanders, who's right up the road from us in Boulder, is certainly going to be at the top of the list and is right now. If you believe these people that follow it maybe more closely than you or I do, the rest of the class, we'll talk ourselves into it, but we're not you know, enamored with them just yet. Speaking of college football, as a guy who is a college football fan and covers the team of the AFC West, your thoughts on jo- uh, Jim Harbaugh joining the L.A. Chargers? Well, I think mine are similar to 
I saw Justin Herbert's comments. Uh, I think he was talking to Trey Wingo. That this is a guy that's just one. And what's funny is Jim Harbaugh is certainly quirky, right? But I haven't yet talked to anybody that worked with him or played for him that doesn't like him. You know, his guys are loyal to him and have appreciated their time with him, whether it was with the Niners before that or certainly now at, at Michigan. And so I think that he figures out how to win. He empowers his coaches around him. At the same time, that's been the most injured organization you can think of. You know, Melvin Gordon, we had him for a couple of years, and I talked to him about the different lines he played behind, and every Sunday it was like a tackle's out, a guard's out, what a, for years. Uh, you know, the most consistent they were was with Phillip Rivers and LT when they were kind of rolling there. Uh, but that was a shorter window than you realize. Phillip kept him competitive, and, and Ladanian was really good for a, a bunch of years. I don't know if that luck changes or if they're snake-bitten, but... Jim Harbaugh figures out how to win, even at Michigan. He finally figured out how to beat Ohio State. He wins a national championship. And in a division that already has the best player in the league with one of the three or four best coaches ever, and the Raiders are certainly interesting with some of their talent, and Antonio Pierce has that locker room on his side. They obviously have quarterback questions too. It's not going to get easier with Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers. So I think that the AFC West will continue to be a slugfest and one of the toughest divisions in football. Finally, are your Kansas Jayhawks going to win the national championship? Well, we can't even beat BYU with a 12-point lead at home. I love your passion, brother. I love it. It's, it's frustrating, and you're watching BYU make 12 threes in the game. You're like, why can't we get one of those guys to transfer? We made three threes in the game. Kansas has a really good starting five, but their best player, Kevin McCullough, is out. I did see where your orange are certainly trending towards uh, a tournament. Looking a little better. A tournament you know, opportunity, and you know how it is once you get in. Shoot. We saw Miami in the Final Four, San Diego State in the Final Four, uh, Florida. FAU. If Florida Atlanta can get there, how do, how do Kansas and Syracuse not know how to get to the Final Four? And we know there's a little bit of luck and health, but it won't surprise me if they're in Phoenix. It also won't surprise me if they lose the second game of the tournament. You going to Phoenix? I have tickets booked, and maybe I'll be there helping out Fox Sports Radio and, and iHeartRadio and, and my station in Denver. Or I'll just be watching it at home in Rockies opening weekend, which they'll probably already be like, two and five at that point, but they'll have a home game on that Friday. But I'm planning on it. Fingers crossed I'll be in Phoenix. Hey, buddy, always great catching up with you, man. Thank you so much for coming over. I will see you in Orlando at the owners' meetings. I will see you there. Absolutely. We'll, there. we'll, uh, we'll hang out and we'll talk a little bit more. And by then, we'll have some more resolution on, you know, obviously what's going to happen with the quarterback position with the Broncos. Certainly where they are with Russ and have they added some sort of veteran free agent. We'll know by then, absolutely. Brandon Cristal, KOA Radio in Denver. Let's take a time out here on the Nortown Automotive Extra Point Show. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, man. 
Josh Schmidt, after my own heart, playing a little Goo Goo Dolls, of course, Buffalo Band. That's Broadway. Apparently, that song is about Broadway in Buffalo. Did you know that, Zach Jones? I did not. Yes, Broadway is dark tonight. Yeah, that is Johnny Resnick. I believe Johnny wrote it, but it is apparently about Broadway in Buffalo, and that was the inspiration for the song Broadway by the Goo Goo Dolls right there. So thanks a lot, Josh, for doing that. Got me fired up here at the NFL Scouting Combine. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones. We just had Brandon Cristal on from Denver. Yeah, really interesting with the Broncos because this is a situation where they don't have a young guy waiting in the wings, right, Zach? I mean, if they... They're going to trade Russell Wilson. They're, that's going to yeah. happen. Or release him, I guess. Right? They're going to release Russell Wilson, I guess. I, whatever it is. They're, he's not going to be on the roster. And then they have nobody. <laughs> uh, okay, so what do you do? And they're picking 12. They're not picking third. They're interesting. They're a team. It's, it's them and Minnesota, who coincidentally is at 11, right ahead of them. J.J. McCarthy mm. is, is one of the few top-end guys that's throwing at the combine. Really, it's it's the three after the big three. You think Penix, he's a top-end guy? I, I do, Sal. I am finding out more and more, though, that I'm not totally alone in liking McCarthy. I think his biggest problem is he went to Michigan. They don't throw the ball a ton. They didn't mm. have really a ton mm-hmm. of weapons. It's, you know, it really was Roman Wilson was their only big wide receiver. He has a lot of traits NFL teams like. He can throw really well on the run. Good size. He needs to, you know, get bulkier. Good arm. He can kind of throw at every angle. He's athletic. And I don't totally take a ton of credence in this, but I do know the NFL still does. He won a ton in college. And difference from Penix and Knicks, he's young. He's, I think, going to be 21 throughout his entire rookie year, where Penix and Knicks are both going to be 24 years old. Penix with a ton of injuries. Knicks just, it's both a positive and a negative that he holds the record for the most career starts in college. I think McCarthy's going to be a guy that's a top 15 pick. I really, really do. Well, there's a difference between being a top 15 pick and he might be and actually succeeding. Mm-hmm. I have my question marks about him. And I'm not so sure. I, 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 but you're right. I think it might be a Michigan bias. Not that I don't like Michigan. I, I do like Michigan. I'm fine with Michigan. But just the offense they run, the athletes that are surrounding him, having the roster he's had, I, that is interesting. What, okay, here's one for you. This guy's not going in the draft. With everything you just said, what would you feel about Kyle McCord at Ohio State? Because he's now at Syracuse. He's, at Syracuse he's the Syracuse now. starting quarterback now. You know what's funny? When that happened, I was like, that's such a huge get for Syracuse. But it was good for Ohio State to move on from him. I just His yeah. throwing motion is so... It looks uncomfortable, Sal. It really, really does. But I think mm-hmm. he is a great quarterback for Syracuse to have. And kind of with this new wave, great recruiting that's coming in. I think he's going to do yeah. really, really well there. I really do. It's just when you play at Ohio State with the athletes that he had. I mean, we're, of course, we're talking about... Marvin Harrison Jr., but Amike Abuka, who is staying in college, yep. he could have come out this year and been one of the top guys. That's where he kind of ran into trouble. Is he just he did not put up the numbers? C.J. Stroud did. Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, obviously not the level of you know, either of them, I guess. But still, the book is out on you know Justin Fields. They, we'll we'll see what happens with a lot of the quarterback carousel. I know. The last few years, we've had this. We even do a show called the Quarterback Carousel. <laughs> show up with the Bulldog, and we kind of predict. I do think there's going to be some movement, though. You you do touch on another one. You know, Kirk Cousins, Minneapolis, Minnesota. You know, what do they wind up doing? He's coming off that injury too. That's really tough for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only going to get you so. Kirk Cousins is one of those guys where if you get him, you're like, okay, we can win some games now. But I don't know if we can win a Super Bowl. You know, and I don't know if that's yeah. the spot you want to be. Right? Pittsburgh's an interesting team too because uh, Brandon mentioned them as possible for Russell Wilson. 
I don't know. It feels like something maybe that they wouldn't do. I think that Mike Tomlin, to me, seems like the kind of guy that wants to keep rolling with, hey, Kenny Pickett's our guy. We're going we're gonna to see this through. But at the same time, if that there is their plan, I don't know how much more you can expect to get out of the Pittsburgh Steelers other than what you saw last year and what you see almost every year, which is team that goes 500, wins some games, and then goes out in the first round. Yeah, I mean, like they're going to be frustrating as hell the entire regular season because they'll win games they really shouldn't. They drag games into the mud. I think with the Kenny Pickett situation, it feels like that is the Rooney family and, and the Steelers itself desperately trying to make the Pittsburgh Panther quarterback work. He won them an ACC title. He was a fifth year, or he played college for five years, and the Rooney still owned the Steelers. They remember passing on Dan Marino. I think they are just so desperate to make a Pitt Panther at quarterback work for the Steelers. <laughs> even if, like, Sal, he had truly one good year at college. He had multiple seasons of under under 20 touchdown passes. In his final year, he finally threw over that. He had, like, 43. He was, he was very, very good statistically. But then, like, now, two years into the Steelers, he's yet to throw double-digit touchdown passes. And, and some of that yeah. sure has been Matt Canada at OC. I, I will not. Well, I will not say it's not. But he's had guys like George Pickens there, Deontay Johnson. Like it's not like he's like had no weapons to throw to. Pat, Pat Fryer. If, if, if they do move on, if they do go with someone else, it's funny you mentioned OC. Arthur Smith is there. I wonder if Ryan Tannehill becomes in play for them. He was pretty good under Arthur mm-hmm. Smith with the Tennessee Titans. Pretty good. I mean, like when he got there with Tennessee, like Tannehill went from like a forgotten guy who with Miami to all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, he's actually putting up numbers comparable to Mahomes over like a 15-game period. So maybe, right. I, you know, his time in Tennessee obviously is done, and it would it would just be the most Pittsburgh Steeler thing ever of like to not actually go to a young quarterback, to not move up in the draft and get a little wild. It would be like, no, no, we're going to go for the old 35-year-old guy. I think Kirk Cousins also would fit there because it's the same thing. Like he comes in, he throws a ton of yards, puts up points, doesn't really win a ton of games, but – He's a veteran. He'll 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 let us win now, kind of deal. Vinny Bond, senior of Raider Nation Radio, is going to join me from here at the NFL Scouting Combine. After this timeout, we'll step away for a moment. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones, is the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show here on WGR. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at northtownauto.com. All right, back here at the NFL Scouting Combine on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at Northtown Auto. Com. Coverage of the NFL Combine on WGR is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to, st- need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? You can always, of course, find our coverage and my coverage at WGR550.com. Outlet Liquor, always a proud partner in there as well. So make sure you check it out. Stories from the last couple of days here at the NFL Scouting Combine. Sal Capaccio on the convention center floor. Zach Jones in our Amherst studios. Just a little while ago, I caught up with Vinny Bond Sr. He is the host of Raider Nation Radio. Boy, we uh, have a lot of people walking around, and every year, every event I go to, I see this guy, Vinny Bond Sr., who was in L.A., 
covering the L.A. teams and the Chargers, and now he's in Las Vegas covering the Raiders. How you doing, my man? I'm doing really good. I look around here. It, it feels like they get bigger every year. <laughs> bigger and leaner, but more explosive, faster. I mean, it's just amazing to see uh, how far the combines come, but also uh, just the athletic ability. And I mean, today, obviously, it's the linebackers and defensive linemen, so they're going to be some big human beings. Uh, but, you know, just the, the physical uh, ability and the, and the physicality of these guys, it just gets better and better every year. Is it they're, they're getting bigger and faster or we're getting older and slower? <laughs> Probably a combination of both. But I do know, um, especially you know this too, covering, uh, covering the NFL, it's, it's always interesting to me seeing how bodies transform, uh, especially over that first year when all of a sudden, and for a lot of these guys now, you know, it's 24-7 football, you know, after the end of their year and they're getting ready for the combine and the pro days and, and all of that. Um, it's now 24-7 football and the body changes as a result because you're eating better. You're you're devoting all of your time to football rather than, you know, going to class and doing other things that student athletes do. Uh, but that but that transformation uh, of the body. In fact, we'll see it from here to when we see them in OTAs and then in training camp and then down the road during the season. So uh, it really is uh, something, it's a lifestyle change. It's, you know, it's their job, it's their vocation. Uh, and the ones that take that seriously uh, are the ones that benefit the most from, from all of the technology and everything like that. Raider Nation Radio is where you can find Vinny. All right, before I get into the Raiders, yeah. let's talk about the city. How did the city handle their first Super Bowl? Yeah, I, quite frankly, I thought it was awesome. And I'm not just saying that because I'm now a uh, local uh, for four years. Um, it really is a city that's conducive uh, to putting on big events. Um, it never feels like it's overwhelmed. Uh, you know, was the traffic a little bit dicey? Yeah, but that's kind of... Every Saturday night, every Friday night in Las Vegas is going to be that way. It's Las Vegas. But they know how to handle big events. And when you're as the close proximity, especially for the out-of-towners, to be able to go grab a nice dinner, to be able to go see a show if you want to. You 2 was performing over at the Sphere. There were all kinds of different shows. Um, and then also, you know, this was an underrated type of a you know part of it. There's so many hotel rooms that the pricing, even for media members, I was talking to some of my friends that came in from out of town, Typically, when we go to Super Bowls, that first, even from that Sunday you get there, you're talking about a pretty good uh, penny uh, because hotels get competitive in those situations in various cities. But because there's so many hotel rooms in Las Vegas, it was very reasonable. Even It got more expensive as the week went on, but even that part of it. Uh, how they're able to to be able to accommodate so many different people and not have it be a price gouge situation, I think was uh, was something that a lot of people appreciated. Did the Raiders make the right call in hiring Antonio Pierce? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, and I think, and I remember talking to Mark Davis, the owner, the day that he made that decision, and basically he said, "Look, you know, and, and this is what he told Antonio: I don't necessarily need you to coach X's and O's; I need you to lead." And I think that's what he felt like he's been lacking for a little while now, especially after John, the whole John Gruden uh, situation. Uh, and that's I've never seen a response in a locker room to a coach like I saw with the Raiders to, to uh, um, you know, Antonio Pierce. And I remember talking to Devontae Adams at the, after the last game. I go, look, I've been doing this a long time. This is how I kind of saw it, but am I wrong to have read it that way? He's like, no, it's absolutely, we believe in him. And there were a lot of guys that wanted to continue to play after that last game. And if you had said that nine weeks before, where guys were literally one foot in, kind of one foot out um, at that point, and it's just human nature, they were, they were checking out on Josh McDaniels. The fact that he was able to to get that under control and get it to a point where at the end of the season they wanted to continue to play to the point where, talking to Tom Telesco, their general manager yesterday, guys are just in the building right now. And it feels like 
they feel like there's something to build on and they want to get started ASAP. So, and that's really a, a direct response to Antonio Pierce. So yes, I think they made the right decision. And then you go to the quarterback situation. What does that look like heading into 2024? Murky, to say the least. Um, it's hard for me to, to fathom that they're going to go into next season with Aiden O'Connell as their starter. He did a fine job under the circumstances, did go five and four. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, there's there's a line of thinking that maybe he just projects as a really good backup quarterback or a mid-range kind of a quarterback. And, and you know in Buffalo, what do you have to have at that position to com- compete at the highest level? MVP kind of candidates. And that's just the fact of the matter. And I don't know if he'll ever get to that point. So... Uh, I think Tom, who, when you look at his history, let's see, Jim Kelly in Buffalo, Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, Philip Rivers in San Diego, Justin Herbert in Los Angeles. He knows what a great quarterback looks like and the importance of having that. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they can accommodate trying to go get that quarterback because they are sitting at number 13 and they're going to have to find a dance partner up higher in the draft. If that doesn't happen, do you, do you chase a Justin Fields? Do you do Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins? So there's a lot of questions to ask, but that's what this time of year is for. You're talking about Tom Telesco, by the way, right? The GM yes. from Buffalo, by the way, Ooh. Buffalo native. Oh, yeah. So good shout out there. Yeah, he, he's been in the league. Proud Buffalo native. No doubt. No doubt about it. Actually, he went to St. Francis High School, I believe, where they've produced, I believe, three general managers. That's crazy. Uh, crazy, right? And Brian Dable went there. Yeah, uh, insane. And I know that then he went to John Carroll University, right, yeah. which was also a hotbed for, in fact, the former general manager for the Raiders, Dave Ziegler, went to John Carroll, as did Josh McDaniel. So uh, he was on the right track. There's no question about that. All right, then let's talk about Josh Jacobs now, because obviously we know the running back market is not what it used to be years ago, and teams just don't want to pay him, but he is a special talent. How do they handle this situation? Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, he, he doesn't have the bargaining power that he had coming off the season that he had last, or, or in 2022, 1,600 yards. It was half of that uh, this year. So, a little bit less leverage and kind of think that he understands that. Uh, I think he wants to be a Raider, and I know that Antonio Pierce and, and, and Tom Telesco want him to be a Raider, but um, it's what's that number going to look like? I, I would think it would be somewhere in the $8 million range. Um, I'm sure he wants more than that, but I just I don't see – um, I don't see Tom Telesco doing that, but we'll see. And, and I know that there's a lot of motivation on both sides to get it done. So usually when you have that, something gets figured out. All right, so circle it back to the combine. You're here. What are you looking for for the Raiders and thinking about them picking in the draft? Where, where do they pick, and what do you think the first few rounds look like for them? Yeah, uh, they picked at 13 okay. right now. Uh, so we'll see where, where, what happens with that. I think first and foremost, quarterback, um, you know, they got to get that figured out. But then offensive tackle, there's a there's a, a lot of you know uh, good prospects in that regard. I'm going to talk to Byron Murphy a little bit later today. Defensive tackle, somebody that they could pair up, you know, with a Max Crosby and, and turn that defensive line into a really good defensive line. Cornerback uh, is another position that they're going to have uh, of need. Uh, but they've got three free agent offensive linemen, um, and you know uncertainty on whether any of those guys come back. So uh, if they don't, then through free agency in the draft, they've got some holes to fill. So that's where I would start if I wasn't also if I wasn't starting with quarterback. But I think it does start with quarterback. Always great seeing you, my man. You too, Sal, man. Appreciate it. All right, that is Vinny Bond Senior of Raider Nation Radio. Another interesting team there as far as their quarterback situation. Um, you know, we'll see. He said. Right there, Zach. He has a hard time believing Aiden O'Connell is going to be the starter they roll out week one. I also have a hard time believing it'll be Aiden O'Connell. But what do you do there? You don't really have anybody. They moved on from Derek Carr. Obviously, he's in New Orleans now. Um, that's an interesting spot for them as well as far as the draft is concerned and free agency. 
Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we've brought up some of the, the big-name guys, and I like that Vinny also brought up Justin Fields. Like, we seemingly – only time we hear Fields seemingly is with Atlanta, Pittsburgh, with – I guess Vegas being the complete afterthought, but it could make sense, especially with Tom Telesco maybe wanting to make a bit of a splash in his first offseason, especially after kind of fizzling out in San Diego to Los Angeles. So they are an interesting team. I don't think they're as bad. I like Antonio Pierce. Max Crosby's good. I actually, I kind of like that the roster somewhat revolted against ownership and was like, no, no, it's Pierce or, or, or people are leaving. So I... I could see that kind of being a team that like you know rallies around a guy like Justin Fields having to come in after somewhat I don't want to say being an afterthought but being let go by the Bears and then moving on to you know the bright lights of Caleb Williams. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams in that kind of middle area where they're not high enough to draft one of these top three, but you think that they probably want one. I don't know if you're going to be able to get in the top three. There's generally three guys that are considered really good quarterbacks, right? Now you can have your flavor and think that, okay, maybe maybe Drake May's not going to be mm-hmm. as good. Maybe Jaden Daniels. But I think the consensus is Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whatever order you want to give them, they are the top three. And the three teams at the top of the draft, oh, by the way, all need quarterbacks. So it will be very difficult to move into the top three if you're another team on the outside wanting to get into the top three. And if you do it, I'm going to guess it's going to be an astronomical price. Yeah, maybe not Ricky Williams levels, but, you know, comparable. Especially, I mean, even the top three, but, like, at four with Arizona. I can't imagine them wanting to move off of getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Really for much less than your entire draft. The Chargers might be the first team where you can really kind of, you know, dance with the devil. Yeah, I mean, where are the Chargers picking? What number are they? They are fifth. The Chargers are fifth. Chargers are fifth. Think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I mean, of all the love we've kind of thrown at them, and myself included, over the last few years, the Chargers to be drafting fifth, already having Justin Herbert in place. And I mean, that's why they're making a coaching change. We know that, but it is kind of, kind of wild. That's a team too to be interesting for them because they are, they have potential. We know they have a quarterback, and now they have Jim Harbaugh. They do have a lot of salary cap issues. They do have an aging roster. I think it might take a year for them to kind of get acclimated. We'll see. I think there's a lot of love for Harbaugh. People think he's going to be some magic, you know, he's going to spray the magic pixie dust all over them, and they're suddenly going to be good. I don't think it's that easy, Zach. So, I, yeah, so you kind of answered my question there. So I was going to ask you because Jim Harbaugh freaks me out. He scares the hell out of me because he, <laughs> he has seemingly won everywhere he's gone. I mean, we, we all forget now because Stanford football is not very good. He made Stanford football very relevant for a long yep. time. Hand Andrew Luck, uh, San yep. Diego State before that, the 49ers. I mean, those rivalries with Seattle. Like, And then, of course, he. I, I was listening to Mike Greenberg. This was uh, now a few months ago after Michigan won the national championship, bringing up the fact that like he didn't bring Michigan football back. He kind of just made them what the fans always thought Michigan was, which was national championship winning caliber. Because their their last yeah. like unanimous national championship was like in the thirties or something like that, if I'm remembering correctly. And just he's won everywhere, and you give him a guy like Herbert, he's probably going to put together a really good run game. They could be a team that lands Brock Bowers, who has the argument to maybe be the greatest college tight end of all time. And they're old now; they've got some cap issues. But they've got their quarterback in place. I think they've got their head coach in place. The only thing I see as a positive there is he seems to to kind of run hot, and then his welcome has run out pretty quickly. you got like a five-year window with him before everyone wants him gone. 
Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones, the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. I'm live here. At, we are live on the radio, but I'm here in Indianapolis. He's here. He's there in our Amherst studios. The, uh, it's, not the, it's not as much uh, happening now on the floor because we're kind of in between prospects here. I'm going to see if I can grab somebody to talk to here in a minute as we walk around. In the meantime, I wanted to talk safeties as well. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and the Bills kind of addressed that a little bit, but haven't really gone completely down the hole of what they're going to do. And what I mean is Micah Hyde's contract, it's up. We don't know if he's going to play. Jordan Poyer, he's going to be a guy that the Bills, you know, have under contract, but maybe, you know, might want to move on from. We'll find out about that. It's going to be really interesting what they do at safety. Taylor Rapp is a pending free agent. Cam Lewis is a pending free agent. Damar Hamlin is back. Damar Hamlin, to me, he's not going to be a starter. I know people think he shouldn't even be on the roster. He's a cheap, young special teams player Mm -hmm. who's a depth safety. No problem with him being the fifth safety and being inactive on game day if that's the way it plays out. Maybe he doesn't make the roster, that's fine too. But they have to address what they're doing at safety. And the more I'm here this week, the more I think that is an area they will hit in free agency because there's a lack of real good talent maybe at the, at the top of the draft. Now, there could be some a little bit later. We've heard some people you know, in the draft for, for, for safety. But when it comes to trying to really kind of plug a starter's hole, you may have to get it through free agency. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that would be more than fine with. That's actually been my big takeaway from Brandon Bean when he's been speaking the last two times we've heard him is just talking about how lucky they've been to have Hyde and Poyer together for as long as they have. And for me, Sal... I'm okay with waiting on a safety fourth, fifth round. It's not a position you see a ton of teams take in the first or second rounds. It usually is a position you can wait on and get good value. But with that being said, like like you brought up, like they have a need now. They can't really wait on safety. And that's where, like, yeah, you probably should end up going into the free agent market. I do wonder if like someone like an Eddie Jackson kind of gets them excited. He he gets caught by the Bears. He's a little bit older. He's around 30 years old. And they maybe just try to get him on a cheap. This is kind of your last kind of hurrah here, just to kind of just have a guy that's been there, done it before. While we bring somebody up, even like a Taylor Rapp, who's also on the younger side of things. Yeah, and you know, it was, of all names, and they they weren't saying they're going to sign this guy. He played for the Bills years ago, obviously. But of all the names, I never thought I'd hear twice come out of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott's mouths. Kurt Coleman. They both mentioned the name Kurt Coleman. Remember when Kurt Coleman played for the Bills a few years ago? I, Do you remember little, that name, Safety? A little bit, yeah, but it, it like he had come over. He was older. He was with uh, he was with them in Carolina, and then he came over like maybe around eighteen, nineteen in that area. Mm-hmm. Comes over, plays safety for the Bills, and the point that both made separately now. That's why I thought it was interesting. The point they both made separately was safeties don't have to come in these big box sizes, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. they don't have to have the real. High, real tall, real fast, but you got to be smart. You got to be rangy. You got to have athleticism. So sometimes the safeties aren't going to be the off the charts testing guys, which is why you can get good value for guys like that. And they used Kurt Coleman as an example. He was not the biggest guy. He was not the fastest guy, but man, he really helped those Carolina defenses. He was a depth piece in Buffalo for a couple of years. And they even talked about Micah Hyde like this. Like, for example, remember the Micah Hyde interception against Mac Jones, right, mm-hmm. in the playoffs? I mean, I don't care what your physical traits are. You just got to be special to make that play, right? Oh, and he makes that play. And the point they were making, which really got my wheels turning about safety, the point they were making is, to me, Zach, they believe, 
and I think it's kind of proven right with Micah and Jordan and what they had in Carolina, they believe they can get really productive safety play for guys that fit what they want to do and not necessarily have to invest tons of resources into it. So, yeah, it's kind of the argument then we've had sort of with the, with the cornerback position for the Bills where the system works really, really well, get guys that can run that system, and we'll be fine. They've done it a lot with cornerback. Obviously, Dane Jackson um, you know, from a few years ago, he's really kind of like made his kind of name there. Christian Benford coming in as a sixth-round pick from Villanova has immediately kind of locked himself in. Really, Kyer Elam's biggest problem is he came in running the complete opposite system at Florida, and he's taken a lot of time to learn it, and that may even be kind of a reason why they've gone a new cornerback coach this year as well to try to get the most out of him. So I, it's probably the way they should do it is, is run it kind of like how you have with the cornerback position. We just haven't had to think about it because, as I've said, we've gotten almost spoiled with having Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde here for almost a decade. Right, we are here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, and I mean, for two days here, I haven't said anything about the Sabres. Last night, I didn't get a chance to watch the game last night. Um, I did watch it, the the score on my phone, out to dinner last night, and I'm checking in on the Sabres. Okay, down 2-1, Nassarino down 3-2. I see there was what? Was there a controversial penalty on Zach Benson? What What happened here? Felt like there was a few controversial penalties from last night. Okay, so okay, that's what that's what I. I'm saw just catching as well. up on this. You tell me. That's what I saw as well. Benson again is just getting called for penalties that seemingly no one knows what's going on. I think it was a holding penalty on him, or the, it was interference. Yeah, I was sporadically watching it as well, and then it was at the end of the game. I know that Benson gets, I think, called for another penalty, and it was Granado that golf got called for a penalty as well and that ultimately allows Florida Ooh. to take a five on three man advantage. They score, go up three one. Thompson quickly scores afterwards on a deflection to make it three two, but I know that was kind of the big thing and, and something as well that I've kind of get frustrated at is like you gotta know the situation you're at. I get the refs have been frustrating all night. But you're in a game, you can maybe get a point here, there's still enough time, but when you put your guys down on a five on three advantage, that is a tough hill to climb there. And it's just it was even a little bit like that last night's sale, too. It was just like, you know, pulling your goalie at the right time. It, seemingly, for Granado's entire tenure here, they don't know when to pull their goalie in the final, you know, minute and a half, two minutes when they have possession to try and go win a game, to try to have that man advantage. And, and that's that's my big takeaway from last night. The refs, of course, were not great, but I, I, I guess Toronto also had some issues. Was that a thing last night, night, pulling the goalie? Oh, I thought yeah. I saw some scuttlebutt on, oh, on social yeah. media. What what? Tell, walk me through what happened, what didn't happen. They had possession. Like, the Sabres had possession, they were fine, and it just took forever for Ukopek Lukanen to be called off the ice, and it just wasted how, how, time. how much time was left? I think about a minute left. I think maybe a little bit Oh, yeah, bit there's more. no reason. He should have been off by then. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too. I remember me and Josh have gone to a number of games together, too, and it's just every time they're in those close games... The big thing for me has always been the Sabres' lack of ability to get possession to said get goalie off ice. Last night it was the opposite issue. They had possession, and they seemingly just, like, UPL was just not getting off the ice, not being called off the ice, and it was just a, a really poor coaching at the end of the night. Sabres back in action tomorrow night. This is their Florida swing. They do this pretty much every year. You, once or twice in the schedule, you'll have a Tampa slash Florida you know, swing in there, and now it's this time it was Florida, then Tampa. So that's tomorrow night, Tampa Bay uh, Lightning Sabres right here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Back here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones in our Amherst studios. We are hearing from defensive line and linebackers today. And it's hilarious because I saw 
Josh Reed from Channel 4 here when I walked in, saw him near the podium, and so I'm walking around, and we looked at each other, and we go, yeah, they're the linebackers. We don't got to talk to any of them, do we? <laughs> that, that's a, that is a spot, Zach, where the uh, Bills are pretty darn set. Now, granted, Matt Milano is coming off an injury. I don't think there should be any issue with him. Broken leg, thankfully no torn ligaments. You know, it's really kind of a free year of health of Matt Milano, other than the broken leg, of course. But mm-hmm. his body didn't get beaten up through 17 games because he only played four-plus games. So he comes back next year. He's obviously under contract for a couple more years. He's a fantastic player. And now we see what Terrell Bernard is. They put them next. I'm super excited to have put them next to each other and see what they can do for a full season. They do have one question. That's uh, Tyrell Dodson as a free agent. I'd like to see Tyrell Dodson back. I think he did a lot of nice things. He's a good depth piece. He can fill roles. I also don't think you have to make sure you get Tyrell Dodson back. I would agree. I would agree with that. I mean, he, he in, in Sal's PFF darling, Tyrell Dodson. Got to remember that. <laughs> Got to right. remember that. But, yeah, he, it, I, I think he's been a great piece that they've, they've had kind of in sporadic roles. He's done a lot on special teams. He's come and fill in at linebacker. But really, at the top end, Sal, this time last year, we were sitting here going, I don't know what they're going to do with middle linebacker. Are they going to draft somebody? Are they going right. to go spend money? Are they going to bring back Tremaine Edmonds? What's going to happen? And then after free agency, when it kind of was like, okay, it's Terrell Bernard. Sal, I remember going through training camp. I think it was because Bernard was hurt. We were all sitting there going, I don't know what yes. they're going to do. Like This really might be just a year where maybe Matt Milano's calling plays. Maybe he switches to that role. And then just really right out of the gate, Bernard was spectacular, big play kind of player. He's partially a big reason I'm ecstatic they were able to keep Bobby Babbage on the staff because I think his player development has been exemplary, to say the least. And you now have two linebackers there, I think, that are playing at such a high level that now... Away in me, maybe it's maybe it's I'm being you know hopeful here. But even though you're having the safety tandem that you've had for so long here, you know slipping away, maybe even both gone. We don't know that yet. You have a linebacking core that can maybe pick up some of the load that not having the safety tandem you've had year in and year out, really game in and game out. You have those two to kind of pick up that mantle a little bit because Matt Milano we already know is an All Pro, and I thought Terrell Bernard should have at least been a Pro Bowler, if not an All Pro, with, with how good he was at, at big plays, especially. I don't, I don't disagree. I thought he had a a really nice year, and obviously he's an ascending player, still in a rookie contract. It's a really good situation for the Bills. I um, will be breaking down the linebackers soon in my State of the Bills. 2024 articles. You can find all of that at WGR550.com. The latest one is the defensive ends edge rushers, which I posted yesterday. You can find that once again at WGR550.com. All right, we're going to take a timeout here. We uh, have One Bills Live still kind of setting up and while they're doing interviews over there, I see them here. I see all the teams. It's crazy. Every team has like their own table with their own media. It's really interesting. It used to be just radio stations. Now it's teams with their own team media, right? We all know how that works. So it's funny how you have that, and then you have this big blue curtain, and then it's all the podiums with the players. That's what the scene looks like here on the convention center floor in Indianapolis. It's the NFL Scouting Combine here on WGR and on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones, back after this timeout. Obviously, we've been transparent. I've visited with Justin three times, I think, yeah. since the season's over, you know, talking about the yeah. coach and all that, but just about personal stuff. And obviously, you know, no one likes having gray, right? So yeah. we've all had gray in our lives. You're like, hey, just I want this or that. And I just completely understand where Justin is, you know, as a coach, because, you know, there's gray in our areas too sometimes. And to me, you know, as soon as we know, we're going to let him know and let everybody else know, and we'll, we'll figure that out as we go. But again, we got to go through the process.
believe that is Ryan Poles. Is that correct? That was actually Matty Rivlu. Yeah, sorry, Matty ah, as the coach, not the GM. My bad. But he's it, talking about. Yeah, uh, it's okay. They both use the exact there. same verbiage to describe what's going on with Justin Fields. Like, okay, right. Like okay, here's why. Okay, here's why. Because then they say something about living in the gray. That did, didn't Poles say that too? Hundred percent. Is that hundred percent? Okay. I read that, and when I heard it, I'm like, oh, that's what Poles said. And then all of a sudden, you're like, no, that's Eberflu. So that is fun, isn't it? Funny they use the exact same verbiage. You're right. They this is they this is when <laughs> they go into a meeting and they go, how are we going to say and answer the question about what we want to do with Justin Fields? And they say, here is what we are going to say: You don't want to live in the gray. You want to move on as soon as possible to give everybody more clarity or whatever to that effect. And that's exactly what they did with Justin Fields. What is what does he get? Is he see from talking with people here at the combine? I, I just I just can't see that it's going to be a it's not going to be a, like a top ten pick. It's not going to be top half. Maybe maybe a team in the bottom half of the first round would be willing. But I'm feeling more and more like he's he's not going to fetch a first round pick. He'll fetch multiple picks, but not a first rounder. That's kind of where I've been sitting at with this. Is like I think the highest pick you'll get is a second rounder because I think a lot of it too. And and Mike Schultz brought this up in the afternoon as well. Just like if you do trade for Fields you probably are also going to be paying him, maybe not a massive deal, but you're going to be mm-hmm. paying him that's a deal. Right. And you, that's kind of your, he's our quarterback of the future. We believe we have a system in place to, to get him to the fields. That was a first-round pick a number of years ago. But there is only a few teams that I think are going to be willing to trade for him. And Pittsburgh, I'm starting to lean off of them because I feel like they still have some belief in Kenny Pickett. They're not going to want to bring in fields, pay him, and then have a quote-unquote honest quarterback competition. Atlanta, we already heard Raheem Morris say, I think, yesterday that if they had better quarterback play, he wouldn't be in the position he's in. So Atlanta, I think, is up there. Um, Yeah, Aiden O'Connell with Vegas, probably not. I would say the Vikings would have been a team if Fields was on any other team but the Chicago Bears. So I, I think it really does feel like it's between those three. And the more I think about it, the more Pittsburgh just it doesn't really make sense from what we're hearing. So, you know, Zach, um, I've been walking around here the last couple of days grabbing all these people from different markets, grabbing people from national people. We haven't really had anybody on local. And then I see my guy, Mike Catalana. Now he's in Rochester, not in Buffalo, but uh, always great to get a perspective from a guy who's covered this league and covered this team uh, for a while. How many combines for you? Oh, combines. Uh, I think this is like this. We really started coming in recent years. I would say I think this is 10. For me, yeah, it's it's grown, man. This is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, back in the, when they used to do it, everything at the old place and and in the you know you're in like this one little area, and now it's you know 14 different podiums and every network is here and all. Yeah, it's grown a ton. All right, so now that we're beyond Brandon and Sean, I'll talk yeah. about them. What are you looking to get out of the prospects? What are you looking at? What's most important here for the Bills in your perspective? You know, sometimes I, you look at the draft and. And it's easy to focus on the early rounds, right? It's easy to say, what are they going to do here? What are they going to do there? But when you look at this overall roster with the turnover that they're going to have, likely, it's hard to find positions that you couldn't see a guy fitting with the Bills, right? And you never know how this draft plays out. Sometimes there's, it seems like guys get projected higher or lower. I like seeing as many different position groups as possible, but with an, an eye on those wide receivers coming up on Friday, right? Because let's face it, they have not invested that way in the position of wide receiver. And I think there's a lot of guys there that certainly, certainly could prove to be a valuable player next season and in the long term. Yeah. 
I think I'm with you. When I hear explosive plays and getting the ball down the field, and I look at this group and their struggles, 19th in the league last year, Mike, in 20-plus yard plays down the field. They have to improve there. Yeah, and, you know, both Bean and McDermott said the same thing. We think of big plays in our minds, I think, as, you know, Josh got a big arm, chuck it down the field. And he said it. Look at Kansas City. Look at, look at even Miami. It's not always a deep ball. It is a guy who can sometimes take it and get you those yards and get you those plays. And defenses have played everybody differently. They're all saying, we're not going to let you get over the top. We're going to make you do this. It's one thing to have that pass play and get 12 yards. It's another thing to get 48 yards on the same play. They just have not had that. Now, you get a Kincaid. He's not what you would call an explosive player, but he's a mismatch player. Give him some speed to help him and to help Diggs. Now we're talking about something for them. So I, th- I think that's what they want to do. I think it's what they need to do. It's just a matter of do they do it on Thursday or is it pushed back? I know that would be a disappointment to a lot of people. Brandon Bean yesterday said he smiled when it got to $255 million. They were budgeting two forties. He basically found $10 million. But how it gets spent might be you know, not going out and signing another Von Miller necessarily, but maybe you get to keep one of your own. How do you think it changes things? I think one thing it does is maybe it eliminates the need to redo some other contracts. You know, it's easy to say redo them, right? Um, because it helps you. It helps with the cap space. But you got to be careful in how you do those, too, because it, you are committing to that player in many ways. I think it gives them more flexibility. Hey, look, he can use the money. He can save it for something else. I think there are players. I, I would say A.J. Epinesa is a good example of a player you are in need of defensive linemen. You need pass rushers. I think he showed a lot last year, enough that, you know, I would think they'd be interested. I don't know. Does he get on the open market and then maybe come back to the Bills, or do they do something with him if they want before he gets there? I think he's the kind of player, you know, even Daquan Jones, like, does he want to go somewhere else? What's the market for him out there? You're going to need to bring back a percentage of those guys. I mean, there's only so many ways you can fill those holes. And if you're not doing it with the guys that are leaving, you're spending money on other players that you don't know as well. So, yeah, I think he can use it there, no doubt. But they can make – you can create cap space. They're going to do it with Josh. I don't think there's any doubt that's going to happen. Uh, but it's nice to get that – you say that extra. It's really, what is it, up 30 from the year before, and it's $10 million more than they expected. Sometimes it's just like, poof, there's more cap space. So go ahead and use it. I don't know what the most amount of money you ever found in your pocket was, but it wasn't $10 million like Brandon Bean did. Uh, I noticed you didn't say Gabe Davis when you went through that group. I don't think Gabe is back. And honestly, I think it's, I think Gabe could have success somewhere else. I don't think he should be back with the Bills. I think he has been a good player. Certainly, I think for his draft position, he exceeded that. But then I think their expectations for him were higher than he delivered. Uh, You can see sometimes numbers are numbers. We say consistency. We saw those flashes. I mentioned those big plays over the top. The Pittsburgh game, right? When you saw that, he made those two plays. Obviously, the Kansas City game. But on this team, when you want to be the number two guy, you know, and even Diggs would say, Gabe would be a one in other places. I, I never... Ended up seeing that. I don't think they saw it. And I'm not, I'm, you're playing with Josh Allen. You're playing with Stefan Diggs. It's a pretty good space to be the number two guy. And I just don't think it worked. I still, still think he'll play. I think he'll get a nice contract. I just think it's going to be somewhere else. Mike Catalana from Rochester. All right, let me give you three names. You tell me yes or no. Are they on the Bills next year? Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White. 
I, I think Mike is going to retire. It's just, I think that would be his choice. It seemed like it when we talked to him. Again, he could change his mind, but I would say, I think Jordan Poyer, I will, right now I will say yes. Um, but there are times, like even when Brandon Bean says certain things, it, it makes you think, okay, they did allow him to go to the open market before and didn't get him signed last year, and then he ended up coming back. I'll, I'll tentatively say yes. And Trey White has been a tremendous Buffalo Bill. I don't see Trey on the team this year. I just, I see this injury is impactful. And Bean said yesterday, you know, you, you want to have that level of sort of patience, whatever. This game moves fast. Free agency's coming. The draft is coming. And they have learned to play without Trey White. And all things being equal, you would love him on the team. But two straight years like this with injury and the contract, I think I think that's where they may move on. You and Dan and Jenna are crushing it on Buffalo Plus. Tell our Buffalo audience on WGR where they can find you guys. Yeah, it's mostly a lot of people see us on the YouTube channel. So Buffalo Plus, just type that in. Uh, I have two great ones working with me, so it's been a lot of fun. Also, you know, the podcast is on everywhere you can get an audio podcast and all uh we'll compete with your podcast you and bove how about that one so um it's fun we have a lot of fun we're putting up content all week it's it's all year all year long we talk about the bills listen i surprised you by walking up here but i appreciate it and enjoy the indie the rest of the week all right thanks you got it. Mike Candelana right there from Rochester wham in Rochester he he's covered the league a while he's seen a lot but how about that though there's a prediction he says Tredavious White not on the roster is his prediction Goes against mine. I think he is on the roster. It's fascinating, isn't it, to talk about it? And I mean, I hate even kind of using that word like it's some exciting thing because we're talking about a player's career and health and life and all that kind of stuff. But I just don't think he's on the team for $16 million. That's what I don't think. But I do think he's on the team. I thought Mike brought up a really good point there, too, that just the Bills the last two seasons have really learned how to not play with Tredavious White. Now, Sal, I'm much mm. more in agreement with you. I think that they're going to rework his contract just to, so it's not such a big cap hit. But I do think that's a really good point that Mike brought up, that the last two years they've really figured out how to not play with formerly mm-hmm. their all-pro cornerback. I mean, a guy who early in his career, I don't want to say had a Hall of Fame trajectory, but was one of the key pieces of the Bills team, not just their defense. And, yeah, within two, two and a half years, it, it might be heading towards an exit. I I I would be very sad. I don't want to say I'd be shocked, but I'd be sad if, if ultimately he's not on the roster next year. See, one of the reasons I keep t- saying that I think he is on the roster is because I don't. Th- I think he's more valued to you without a restructure. He's more valuable to you paying sixteen than only saving six, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like in, in eating ten. You he, if he's not on your roster, if you release him, you got to eat ten million dollars. Like, that's $10 million for a player not on your roster. However, that said, boy, I'm looking at some of these other teams in the league. Look at the money the Dolphins are eating on Xavier Howard. Look at the money uh, Shaq Barrett's going to cost the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. These teams are willing to eat this money. Now, in both cases, I believe it's a post-June 1st cut. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think in both cases, those are post-June 1st cuts. What you have to remember, folks, about a post-June 1st cut and people forget this or don't know this, you don't get the savings until June 1st. So let's just say the Bills want to move on from Tredavious White and go, all right, well, we can save a lot more even than the $6 million. We can save whatever it might be, 12 or 13. 
guess what? They don't get to save that until June 1st. they got to carry his cap charge as is mm-hmm. through free agency period. You talk about Von Miller. You talk about Stefan Diggs, guys with big contracts. There's other guys on the team, but that's the issue with a post-June 1st cut. So to me, it's got to be kind of all or nothing right away, and I just don't see it. I think they go to Tredavious White and say, look, we love you. You know, you love being here. You've been a cornerstone for us. We want to keep you around. How about we rework this? We take some money off your base salary, move it into a some sort of guaranteed signing bonus, maybe add one more year onto the deal even if you want, but make it easier for the Bills to get out in a couple of years. That way, yeah, you're, you're extending the life of his contract to spread the money out, and he feels like he's still able to kind of come back and play, and you can save some money. I think that has to be, to me, on the table and the most likely resolution. Yeah, I think so too. And Sal, you brought it up a lot with in terms of contract extensions. Like, the, like players pay attention to who you pay and who you don't. I think that also would kind of point to this yeah. as well that they pay attention to who you let go. You know, Trey's at the facility. It seems like all the time. You know, I, I, I and I'm not you know saying that Matt Milano's not. Yep. We, we already know he's down in Florida. He's coming back and forth. It seems like Trey's here all the time. Guys, guys see him in the building all the time. That I think for a lot of these guys would be. I don't want to say like you know bad will or anything like that, but it, but it would. I, I would imagine a few of these guys, especially on the defense, would look at management and go, "Really? That, that's that's what we're going to do here?" Yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out. But you're right; they do pay attention to those kinds of things, and you know, there's going to be some heavy decisions made by the Buffalo Bills in the coming days and weeks, and over the next month and a half before the draft, especially. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back here. We'll wrap up. Your Extra Point Show on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show on WGR from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Oh, Zach, you know what that sound is? I just had the biggest smile on my face when I heard it. That is the sound of instant trivia. It's the draft. Zach, I don't even want to go back far. One year, less than a year ago. Mm. How well could you do the uh, first round? Ooh, how well could I do the first round? Um, how far, how deep can you go before you get I one wrong? I feel like I can go pretty. I think I could go. Go looking, well. Evan. Make sure he doesn't have nothing on his computer there. He can't be looking. We'll shut the right? computer. All right. Do you want me to give you the team? Do you need it or no? Yeah, if you can give me the team. Oh, I'll, I'll give you the team. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Number one, Panthers. Bryce Young. Number two, Houston Texans. This is C.J. Stroud. Number three, Houston Texans. Will Anderson Jr. Number four, Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson. Number five, this is where it gets a little tricky, I think. Seattle Seahawks. Very good player. Devin Witherspoon? Yes, cornerback. Very good. Number six, Arizona Cardinals. Ooh, who did they take? Oh, man. Uh-huh. If you, when you want position, you can let me know. I'll let you think until. If you need position, I'll give it to you. I know, I know it's on defense. I'm, I, no, it's not. Oh, wow. Offensive tackle. Oh, no. I have no idea. Paris Johnson Jr. Ohio State. Oh, come on. Oh, Almost that's had, right. Almost had Next it. Next up, oh. number seven. Now we go defense. Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, boy. Who Another name they, that I didn't hear much from this year. Who did they take? Oh, I mean, the, their recent draft history is a nightmare. So if you ever got, like, five minutes, just go through the last, like, ten years. <laughs> Still Tyree it. Wilson is the name. Didn't oh, hear much from oh, him. Almost nothing from him. All right, this one's easy. Number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh wow, Bijan Robinson. Yeah. Last year, I, yes. I, was just, I was sitting By there. By the way, go ahead. I was sitting there. I'm like, I'm like Jonathan Brooks. I'm like, no, that was the Texas running back this year. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, 
And they're eight again this year, right? The Falcons? I believe so. I'm going to have to open up the computer now. Give me one back second. Back-to-back eight. Yeah, look at yeah, that. Yeah, back-to-back eight, I believe. That's right, right? Mm-hmm. All right, this one's easy. Number nine, the Philadelphia Eagles, a Rookie of the Year candidate. This is Jalen Carter. That's right. And then number 10, 10 and 11 were both offensive tackles. Do you know them? Bears oh, and Titans. Titans guys got the na- kind of name that you remember. Oh, and the Bears guy, I like that they took him, too. Yes, I yes, yes. Don't. The Bears guy went to Tennessee, but he didn't get drafted by Tennessee. That's right. Oh, and what's man. funny is, so, so so here's what's hilarious. I didn't just notice this. The Bears drafted an offensive tackle from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Tennessee drafted an offensive tackle from Northwestern, which is near Chicago. So <laughs> Chicago is Darnell Wright. Yes. Tennessee. And then, oh, 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 oh. He's got a, he's got a weird last name. Peter Skaronsky? Skaronsky. You got it. There we go. Number 12, Detroit Lions. Remember, they had two picks, didn't that's, they? That's what I'm trying to remember. I'm like, which right, one is which? First? Who'd they go with first? This is Jameer Gibbs. It is, yes. Packers go with a guy with three names. Defensive end. Luke Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness. Very good. Then the Steelers. Remember this one? The Steelers, the offensive tackle. I really liked him out of Georgia. And this was the deal where there was a trade made and somebody mm-hmm. like, like that's blocking. Like Belichick wanted to block the Jet. Whatever it was. Broderick Jones. Oh, number 14. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then 15 was Will McDonald, the fourth defensive end out of Iowa State. So top 15 in the draft last year. The draft. This year, the end of April, as always, Sal Capaccio, along with Zach Jones. All right, we'll have another uh, full day of Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show coming to you from the Combine tomorrow. So we'll get back after tomorrow. In the meantime, Sabres Live is up next, and then it's One Bills Live after that. Zach, thanks a lot today. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk again tomorrow, my man. Talk tomorrow, Sal. Sabres Live up next here on WGR. Thanks for being with us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.